0: Hello, and welcome to another episode of Goblin Lore. In this episode, we are going to be discussing uh, Gambler's Fallacy, and specifically how it relates to a couple of our favorite goblins, the Kark Clan of Mirrodin. But before we get to that, we have a couple of introductions to make, and by a couple I literally mean two, a pair of introductions to make, and an answer to our ever-present question of the day. And that question of the day is, if you had a million dollars to bet on something related to magic, what bet would you make? Hi, I'm
1: Alex Newman, uh, found on Twitter, at AlexanderNewM. And uh, I I think the bet that I would make is that uh, wizards will never make the Nephilim from Ravnica legendary. Because, see, (laughs) people... They're these crazy four-color uh, things that have some really cool, unique abilities, but they aren't legends, because back in the original Ravnica days, uh, Commander was not a format, and their hope was that by making them non-legendary, people could play four of them, and it would make them more likely to be played. But that that doesn't happen, and now Commander exists. <laughs> um, so people have been asking Mark Rosewater to change that, and he's like, oh, well, we don't do functional errata, except... Wizards has done some functional errata lately with dinosaurs and burn spells and planeswalkers. So, I'm going to just say that maybe they won't, because if they don't and I get money, that's great. But if they do then i get to build commander decks out of the fun no. <laughs> so it's a,
0: so it's, I, it's a win-win win, 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 win win situation win. for you yeah
1: <laughs> exactly isn't that what like a perfect bet or something isn't that a thing i don't know i don't
0: gamble yeah it's the perfect crime absolutely
1: there, yeah there you go exactly
0: <laughs> and i'm joe redderman you can find me on twitter at findhorn that's f y n d horn and uh if i had a million dollars to bet on something magic related i would bet that we are never ever 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 going to see the plane of old growth again in magic story Oh my god! and i am so sad about that that is much to my dismay that i have to make that bet but i know truly in my heart of hearts that we're not going to get it again at least in like the main narrative sort of th- like we might get it in supplemental products and like associated stories with that but they are never going to you know close up the the mana draining rifts that that Ogrotha has and the sang gears are still going to be stuck there and everyone's going to be bummed out and Ravi's still going to be stuck in a dang tomb ringing the the apocalypse chime so I'm I'm <laughs> bummed
1: but on the other hand that that's another bet that you can't lose
0: that's true, that's if they, true.
1: Because if, if they do go back, you, got, you finally got them to go back to Algorotha. Yeah. Or I should say you, you finally have an, a set in Grotha to, to have fun with.
0: Is that, well, if I could, if it could be me that got them to go back to Grotha, do you think a million dollars would make it happen? Because maybe we can get, get <laughs> things up to that level.
1: We can crowdfund that, you think? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I That mean, could be we, a
0: Patreon we, stretch goal, right? Yeah.
1: We could get at least three people to donate. I mean, at least two people to donate
0: to that. Yeah, absolutely. That's all you need. You just need just three to cover 333000 No big yeah, deal. Just,
1: just get some seed money to start it, right? That's how That's how those work.
0: So loyal Gabo listeners, if y- three of you want to contribute at the $333,333 <laughs> $333 level, we will petition wizards and by petition I do mean bribe them to yes. return us to Ma- to Ogrotha in magic lore speaking of our listeners of our of our patrons of all this sort of stuff I do want to actually before we get into the main topic I also want to take a second to read a review that someone left for us on Apple Podcasts or you know formerly uh I- iTunes I do something
1: like iTunes Podcasts
0: iPods I, yeah, I, I, mean, I escapes. at one um, point
1: it was just part of like i itunes itself and then they pulled it into its own app or something i don't know i have
0: you, an iphone if you can find it then we would love a rating and review it's super cool um we don't blame you if you can't because we don't remember the name but that's not surprising for for us gobslugs um but uh, yeah, this is a, a five-star review from uh, Marcus Brayman, and uh, the title is a completely different dot dot dot. I don't know the full title, but maybe I'm just not finding it here. Um, But Marcus writes been listening since episode one and surprised I never left a review. Your friendly local goblins talk about an interesting Vorthos topic, but then expand on it into real life implications. We do do that. I'm really proud. I'm really proud that that came across Um, (laughs) the positive focus and mental health discussions are top notch. Highly recommended for anyone that believes the best part of magic is bettering yourself and those around you. And. I don't know about you, Alex, but that just really warms the cockles of my heart because that's—I mean, yeah—that's exactly what we're going for. And and uh, Marcus seems to really uh, have have been touched by that. So thank you, Marcus, yeah. for for putting that out there and uh, for reviewing.
1: Yeah, and and it it also is a wonderful opportunity for me to get to say the thing that I hear a lot of content creators say, but now I finally get to say it as a content creator. Yeah. It's really great to see those things because it, that's our intention. Our intention is to to try to have this – to talk about the game and have fun, but to have this focus on mental health, to have a focus on kind of bettering, your, bettering yourself and making just things better. The world can be dark place, and we want to try to be some light in that. And um, it's great to know that that worked, yeah. <laughs> that we actually hit that goal because – we don't necessarily know i mean and we do get and this we've gotten reviews and we get interactions on twitter and stuff and we love all of that um and so i just want to encourage you to if you want to talk to us or other content creators please go tell them or tell us and just what you that you enjoy the content and and what you're getting out of it because it is just it's wonderful to see
0: Absolutely, yep. Absolutely, I I want to. I just want to second that. Any anytime somebody contributes, you know, some good content to your life and you appreciate it, just go send them a, a ping. You never know, it might be the thing that just makes their day. You know. Um, but I don't have a good transition for this, and if that's not the most goblin lore, uh, sort of transition, I don't know what is. We're gonna talk about gambling. (laughs) <laughs> we're going to talk about something rather rather than light and happy things. We're going to talk about something seedy and deliciously uh, savory here. And that's gambling. And specifically where we tied into gambling in magic lore is because of the card from Mirrodin, Quark's Thumb, which is a legendary artifact. Uh, the art is by the ever wonderful uh, Ron Spencer. Um, really, really great stuff. Like if you, if you remember all of the art from like the nineties, the late nineties, early two thousands cards that felt like super metal, super like heavy metal, Ron Spencer (laughs) illustrated it. It was great. Um, and Croc's thumb is literally a thumb on a chain, kind of like a a lucky rabbit's tail, (laughs) a lucky, lucky rabbit's foot. That's what it is. Um, and it's a, it's a goblin thumb. And uh, the the text of this says, if you would flip a coin, instead flip two coins and ignore one. So you're kind of you're you're fixing your luck a little bit here. It's it's helping to get you a, a slightly more uh, favorable outcome for yourself. And uh, the flavor text here, of course, is from one of our favorite friends, Slowbad Goblin Tinkerer, and he says, "I can think of one goblin it ain't so lucky for." <laughs> Just presumably,
1: uh, both goblin flavor text from a goblin, which is wonderful, but that it's also great, like goblin brand flavor text, just oh, just absolutely. a little bit of re- kind of dark humor, not a <laughs> horrible. Uh, I like it. I like that a lot.
0: It's perfect. Well, and and so Clark was a goblin that created, or was the, I guess the. Leader of this clan of goblins on mirrodin it's where we get the Quark Clan Ironworks, which was recently banned from modern. Um, they're they're a tribe of goblins that is particularly superstitious. Um, they when they took Slowbad in, they um, did so very begrudgingly. The leader of the clan, uh, sort, who sort of became his surrogate father, um, had to really convince them to to bring Slowbad in because Slowbad was abandoned by his original parents because he was born under a, a, apparently a bad sign in the stars or the moon and all this sort of like superstitious type of hocus pocus stuff and this is apparently a widely held belief throughout the entire clan and so they're very focused on luck and superstition and like you know, that fates and destiny control so many things. And so uh, that's, that's kind of where we enter this idea of the gambler's fallacy in magic.
1: Yeah. And so I want to talk about what the, the gambler's fallacy is. Is and 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 I also want to mention before we go too far, and and I forget this was actually a, a listener suggested uh, topic. It was on Twitter in response to a thread, and it was months ago, and I didn't write down who get, had the idea, and I feel really bad about it. So I'm sorry, but yeah, we totally got the idea from uh, to do something about the gambler's fallacy from a uh, from a listener, which is just great. Um, but what the gambler's fallacy is. Um, it is a, a a fallacy about statistics. It's kind of looking at numbers wrong, which is really easy to do, and I think we'll get into that in a bit. Numbers are weird. Um, but <laughs> the gambler's fallacy is basically saying that – is looking at past results and saying that this has to dictate future statistics or future results based on the s- statistics. And I think the easiest, a quick example is a coin flip. Coin flip, we all know, heads, tails – 50% chance to get either one and so the gambler's fallacy says you've gotten heads 10 times in a row that means obviously the 11th flip has to be tails because that makes sense
0: right it's got yeah, to balance out
1: it's got to balance out there is
0: a logic to it
1: yeah and there is a logic to it um, or you know and, and it's it's kind of on the, the other side that says you know you may get it, it. there's something similar on the other side where you might say well this coin just flips heads I mean and there's can get into that too. There's there's sometimes there's slivers of truth to this which is part of the difficulties cuz maybe the thing isn't balanced right. So it is always flipping one side but all other things being equal if there's 50% chance of a result every single time you do the thing it's 50% chance one or the other. The past results do not count to towards the future. And right. so it, this is a thing that comes up a lot um, when you're rolling dice. I know as a as a player of Dungeons and Dragons, um, this happens a lot with with dice. I mean, and, and ultimately, this is a place where it's it's not harmful. It's kind of fun, and people joke about it. But if you you know you're you're rolling your your twenty sided die, which is the main die in most of these games, your result of twenty, by and large, is going to be like the best result. Your roll of one is going to be catastrophic sometimes, just bad other times. And so you'll see D&D players who roll a one, a two, three times in a row on a die and just be like, nope, I'm done with this die. Or even if it's just low results, I get a three and a five and a seven. I'm probably putting that die aside and I'm picking up a second die. And so like, th- this is another easy, small example of, of the gambler's fallacy.
0: Right. It's it's sort of a, a streakiness sort of thing. It's more of a belief in, like, like you were saying, in past results determining the future as opposed to you know uh, understanding the idea of a probability versus certainty of of something being in the case of like a coin flip or a die roll it, that is like a a contained like pure chance sort of situation and and you could get into the minutia of like oh well if you're rolling a die you know that's not perfectly weighted on every side or it's on a slanted table or it's you know thrown with different uh force every single time like yeah all those little things will change it a slight amount but that's about as self-contained of a random situation as you can get whereas yeah. you have some situations like that you know the hot hand fallacy is is kind of the opposite effect that you were talking about right where the if a streak is going, you think the streak has to continue. Um and and so that's that's actually something that for instance a lot of people in sports tend to believe. So if a, a player in baseball is hitting really well, you say like, oh, well, the next time he comes up, he's got he's gotta get a hit. I mean he's been hitting so well. He's he's they say like he's seeing the ball really well. And it's like, yeah, maybe he is those are situations where there's a little more skill involved or there's another sort of source involved for baseball. It'd be like the pitcher and the batter. You know, those are two sources of sort of skill as opposed to just pure chance. Whereas something contained like a dice roller or a coin flip, that's, that's pure luck.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, there's some smaller things and there's things like that. Um, I think, well, it's something to watch out for because the the human's mind, and this is a topic I found fascinating, and we are really, really good at finding patterns. Mm-hmm. And so we will find patterns like that. And and this maybe is a, is a tangent, but that's something that we're want to do here. <laughs> so and there's no one to stop us. So I think I'm just going to allow this. Nice. Um, and so this we we tend to see things like this and like okay uh
0: um... well it's i mean again it's one of those things where you you tend to you tend to believe it's it's a survival thing really like it's it's one of those things that was an evolutionary sort of uh skill that we developed to see um to see the past to see history to see like the things that we've encountered and, and shape our perception of what's to come Based on those things, you know, it like you go, okay, this particular dog. I'm thinking about like my mail routes. There, if I if I know a particular dog that has been kind and sweet, that has allowed me to come up to it and pet it every single time, then I, you know, then I have no issue going up and delivering mail while that dog's out in the front yard. But if there's a dog that I don't know, I have no frame of reference for it. I have no pattern built up in my mind about how that dog will act. And so I'm going to skip that house, you know. Mm-hmm. So it's one of those things where that's, that's you know, it's an evolutionary thing for us to acquire these patterns and build them in.
1: Yes. Yeah. Thank you for picking for that up. Because that, that was something I, I wanted to talk about. It's that's. A big part of, of human development was these this pattern recognition. But what it does is it also leads us to see patterns where they don't exist, hmm. um, where there, you know, people will say, "Well, this happened however many times or something. This can't be a coincidence." It's like, yeah, it, it actually can. Like things are <laughs> vastly more random. Maybe things are 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 there's not as nearly as much structure and pattern behind things as as we sometimes think because we will recognize patterns and we'll say X happened. Then Y happened X happened? Then Y happened? That's that is the whole um, causal fallacy thing that just because uh, causation does not equal correlation. Right. Um, That is used a lot in statistics. You'll say, well, this number is up by 40% and this other number is up by a hundred. So that must mean the first number caused the second number. Mm -hmm. And it's like, well, I, I, the, when I was uh, going to, uh, to school, like this is a thing that you talk about in philosophy a lot. It's, it's logical fallacies. And one of my classes I, I love, one of the first assignments we had was we had this whole list of logical fallacies, and we had to come up with arguments that used the logical fallacies. And so my logical fallacy for uh, correlation does not equal causation is that uh, ice cream consumption causes heat stroke. Huh because in this it, it, during very hot weather your ice cream consumption will increase as will incidences of heat stroke. oh my
0: gosh yeah sure and and so there is like again there's a tying factor and that's hot weather like so there is something again there's a logic to it but it's a it's yep. a fallacy it's it's not a direct correlation it's not properly drawn because there's a lot more steps in between for that shaky logic
1: Yep, and and that's one of those people will often arrive at X goes up, Y goes up, therefore X must cause Y, and they don't look for underlying causes, which in that particular case, there is an underlying cause. Um, But in many other cases, there may not even be an underlying cause that links both of them. Those two things might just be happening. Uh, And and this is um, something to really watch out for, it is used a lot in politics it is very easy to to pull two statistics and show how crime rates are increasing because x y or z or this is happening because this um both because of uh depending on, on what data set they're using because you can critique data to to save de- whatever you want and then yeah. by by ignoring certain places, by going to zooming in on one city or one region and then saying, Well look at the statistics here. You have gun laws go in and then crimes go up, except you're not looking at the whole picture. And if you really want to come to figure things out, you need to look at all the all the pictures, but again, human mind is good at finding these patterns and so people will will draw that straight line. And then they think they figured it out.
0: Yeah, and, and 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 again, it's it's shortcutting. It's intellectual shortcutting for us. Where I, I think we are going to assume for this discussion that we are being, you know, genuine about it. Is that the proper way to say ingenuous? It's it's Ingenious. not disin, it's not disingenuous. We're not like <laughs> I, I don't think we want to get into the discussion of like people who you know deliberately warp graphs to confuse and, oh, and mess with people fair. that's a completely other thing yeah that, that is um, another thing but it is that that notion uh, that we go through on a day-to-day basis where we do look at something and go well this is how it has to be because this is how it's always been or this is how it has to be because it's always been this other way and so it's got to shift at yeah. some point you know
1: or you know small small cases too um you can look at things like you know it took you 10 minutes to drive home one way it took you eight minutes to drive home the second way therefore the second way is, is always faster mm-hmm. but if that is the only thing you're looking at you're not looking at mitigating circumstances
0: right you're not looking that, at the time of day that you drove home you're not yeah, looking yeah. at you know it was there construction the first, yep yeah It's snowed weather. the first
1: day and it was clear weather the second day or you know there's so many factors yeah um we don't and this is a thing, we don't talk about the game of magic too much because we're mostly a, a, a Forthos podcast. We want to talk about story and things. That's what really we're passionate about. But the game of magic is a place where this can come into, come into effect too, where this can this can hurt you. Um, I know uh, I don't play as much magic as I used to, so I don't really listen to limited resources like I used to. But um, that on that podcast, Marshall Sutcliffe talks and – Luis uh, LSV right now, other hosts in the past talk a lot about limited magic and booster draft in particular, and that's the thing they talk about a lot is is building card assessments based on only you know on a very small sample size. If you play one or two games, that's not going to tell you the the whole extent of how this stuff works. It'll give you data points, and those data points can build to a complete picture, but one or two data points is not a complete picture, and so right. you have to be careful about that
0: right absolutely yeah it's 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 it is kind of just that bringing in as much information as possible so that you can make a a an educated decision you know because life on the whole you know isn't a coin flip it's not a die roll it's it's a lot of complicated moving parts with people of you know with agents of varying amount of skill and experience and you know, I mean, we are just working with a lot of information coming at us on a day-to-day basis. So, so you do have to kind of evaluate, like, which of these things is more influential in this moment and, and sort of um, deal with it that way. I was actually, speaking of limited resources, I was just listening to them the other day. And they talked about this a little in the, in the sense of, like, draft philosophy. When you're evaluating a card... You can't just go like, oh, this one's more powerful. You have to go, okay, well, I've drafted five cards in in mono red so far, and this one is a blue-black card. Like, that doesn't fit what I'm doing. Even though it's the most powerful card sitting here, like, is it, en- is it powerful enough to move me off of my plan? You know, and uh-huh. that's that sort of thing, where you, you have to look at these things all as factors into your day-to-day life. Um, and I, I think even though this is a little bit removed from this, it's, it's something that, you know, reminded me of our discussion of randomness and, and you know, uh, all this sort of stuff. It reminded me of an Albert Camus quote, um, who's a, a famous uh, philosopher. Um, gosh, I can't remember if he was... I think he's technically in the absurdist uh, sort of camp. Um, but he talked a lot about... He, he wrote a, a great paper called the myth of Sisyphus, um, which is all about like, even if life has no inherent meaning, we find and make meaning of our own. Um, but this quote specifically talks about like chaos and, and you know how life is random and throws random stuff at you. And, uh, and so this is, this is the quote here. The world is never quiet. Even if silence eternally resounds with the same notes and vibrations, which escape our ears. As for those that we perceive, they carry sounds to us occasionally a chord never a melody and i love that i really love that because it it's the idea that sometimes things line up like your 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 uh metaphor about the eight minute drive home as opposed to the 10 things things may be lined up really well on that day but that doesn't mean that that's going to be melodic and happening that same way every single time you play that you know that song quote unquote of driving home yeah. Uh, do we want to talk a little bit of history of the gambler's fallacy too? Because there's a really cool story about this that I just read about. Oh, yeah, do that. Both both on the Wikipedia page. I'll I'll be honest. I'll cite my sources. Uh, but I found um, there's a BBC article where they wrote about this as well, and I, I love that this article is called "Why We Gamble Like Monkeys." <laughs> oh my God, <laughs> that's, that's beautiful. Um, <laughs> uh, but so they they talked about. Uh, this, this happening in, uh, on August 13th, sorry, August 18th, 1913 at the Casino de Monte Carlo on this date in 1913 during a game of roulette, which is, it's basically for those of you that don't know, it's a large wheel that is spun and, uh, there are like sections of the wheel that are colored black or red and they alternate going all the way around the wheel and they have different numbers on them and people will gamble on you can gamble on black or red you can gamble on a specific number i mean y- all this sort of stuff that you can you can do to make your bets on on what a ball that is dropped then onto this wheel will land on so if it lands on black and you bet on black you get you win if it lands on black 26 and you bet on 26 you win um but you know this is pretty much a a, a completely random set of events again like it's one of those it's one of these games that we're talking about or one of these situations that is like a, a highly contained perfect randomness and um on this date in 1913 the ball fell on black 26 times in a row and the probability of this as as the wikipedia article puts it is 18 divided by 37 to the 26th power minus one or better way to put this around one in 6.6 or i'm sorry million. One in 66.6 million is the chances of this this is like Flipping a coin a million times, i guess sixty six point six million times, and it coming up heads every single time. it's possible. it's just not likely you know it's it's one of these situations where it's just uh, horrifically unlikely, and so gamblers lost millions and millions of francs the the French currency at the time, betting against black because they reasoned that at a certain point it had to go back to red it had to be red even because, not even though because it had landed on black so many times in a row and so the reasoning is that that streak was causing an imbalance in the randomness of the wheel and so then it had to be followed by a long streak of red but that again is not understanding the fact that every time the wheel is spun it is a perfect 50-50 chance and so I mean that is that is such a great I love that story and I can totally imagine that scene too. But oh, yeah. you know it's it's just one of those things where you're like yeah well how how you know how would you have reacted in that situation? I probably would have been in the same boat. I probably would have gone yeah, it's got to be right at some point.
1: Yeah. Or you'll have or you'd I I wonder how many people made money because they're just like well it has to keep hitting black, right? It's yeah. just going to keep hitting black. Yeah. And it's you see that in games a lot. I, th- I think because any any game with with elements of randomness, people will they want they they think that that um, the percent that the, those statistics needed to play out. That the reason there's a 50% chance for this to happen is because it will happen 50% of the time. And I was like, that's not actually how it works. That's the reverse of how it works. Like right. there's a 50% chance because it could go either way. What the actual results are is not dependent on anything we do. If if something truly has a fifty percent chance, that there's no input that's going to det- dictate one way or the other, it's just going to happen. And even if there's a seventy or eighty percent chance um, in some video games where like you have an eighty, you know, where it gives you a percentage chance to pick this lock or to hack this computer, I've seen friends get really upset when they. They lose, you know, they they, an 80 percent, and it doesn't work. And then all of a sudden, they're like, "Well, that was an 80 percent chance; it should have happened." It's like, "Well, it would happen most of the time, but there's was a 20 percent chance you were going to fail it, and you you failed it. Like there was a chance, and you did. Yeah, this happens a lot with like elections and things too. Well, the predictions say, I mean, and there's a whole host of how these predictions are built, and that's a whole other thing. But even if assuming they these are correct. There's a fifty, you know, an eighty percent chance this result twenty percent this, the twenty percent can still happen. Like it's it is still an actual possibility.
0: Right. Well, that's and that's one of those things. I mean, like think about you know uh, presidential election. You know, what there are again those are more um, you know in influenced, I guess, moments yes. where where you know individual bias like sort of sways one way and especially in region to region yeah, basis but like once, but i but just like in a, in a void you know you know the way that the us political system is set up it tends to be a democrat or a republican so it is a 50-50 chance for each person and if you're flipping a coin 50 you know or what a whatever how many people we have in this country 300 million or something you're flipping 300 million coins at that point you know what i mean like
1: yeah, Theoretically, and,
0: and, it's going to be somewhere in the range of, of that, of that fifty yes, percentage, and, but it's not going to be exactly fifty percent.
1: And one thing too is, is percent chances. It's a thing that we tend to boil down to because it's a thing. It's something people can relate to and they understand, or at least like sometimes think they understand, but have misunderstandings about it. So a lot of things will get boiled down into percentages. But something like an election, you don't, you can't you can't really build a, this is 50%, this is, you know, or this is an 80% chance to happen. Right. Um, it's based in, and how you come to those percentages is, is a lot of work that isn't always shown and, and isn't always understood. And I'd say it's probably not understood very often. Right. Um, like a coin, we just know there's two sides of this coin, assuming the coin is properly balanced. It's 50, 50. But of course, I just had an addendum there assuming it's properly balanced. And this is why statistics is weird
0: right right absolutely Statistics is weird and so is our perception of the world that's for darn sure yeah (laughs) um I think there is one the one last thing that I want to talk about in in reference to the Clark clan uh and and the, the gambling here a little bit is um sort of the superstition and I know there's a longer episode to be had about this you know down the line but it just the way that they handle superstition and the idea that oh well you're you're born under a a bad sign and so your life is going to be cursed um you know that again there's that certainty of a pattern like this this sort of causality this this determination of causality when it's more coincidence than anything else even if there is something tragic that happens uh it just reminds me a lot of uh, Oedipus Rex the whole Oedipus story where um, you know the prophecies say that the son of, of the of Thebes is going to be you know a hor like is going to have a horrible life and blah 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 and all this stuff and, and yes it pans out but like a lot of what happens is as a result of the actions of the people in the story. You know, had had they never heard of that prophecy, they probably wouldn't have taken the action of getting rid of their son and and you know casting him out to die on a mountain. And then the person who found their son wouldn't have uh, you know wouldn't wouldn't have taken him in and and named him and and raised him and then you know trained him to be this great warrior uh, and and a wise you know person who saved the town from the Sphinx and all this sort of stuff. So again, it's, it's this whole sort of thing where there's, there's a causation. I mean, like, I don't know, I guess there's a slight difference to this, but there's a causation to this, but it's not because of the prophecy specifically.
1: It's the, the, the self fulfilling prophecy sort of trope or cliche at this point, but that, that's a, that's a big storytelling convention too, that, um, that, you make this prediction and then the people who believe in that then make the prediction happen. And then the question is, did it happen because of divine, whatever, <laughs> where this prediction came from, or did it happen because people made it happen? Right. And yeah, the, the, the happens in stories a lot and they'll go either way or they won't give an explanation. Um, the, the, the stories that try to, to build the loop that, that ask that question, I think will intentionally obfuscate whether, what the actual causation of the, the events following the prophecy were, whether it was the prophecy itself or whether there was some power behind the prophecy that created it and made it happen.
0: Yeah. I just, I think it gets us into this, that really, that not, not identical, but similar discussion of of chance and destiny and all this sort of stuff where it's, you know, a, a lot of it is a, a lot of our perception of predestiny and and all this sort of thing is a a misunderstanding of how the world works. And I think that's exactly what we run into with the gambler's fallacy too. You know, Uh we just don't understand how randomness works. And so we, we come up with ways of trying to, of trying to make sense of it. And you know, if, if that's not a, if that's not a classic goblin moment, I don't know what is. (laughs) Trying to make sense of something and completely whiffing that's that's perfect for the okay. quark clan it, it i'm not saying it doesn't fit and i'm not saying it doesn't fit for us but <laughs>
1: yeah trying to figure something out and 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 instead it explodes yeah, that's in your face yeah me. absolutely <laughs> or trying to figure it out and thus it explodes see that's the question
0: mm. was the explosion everything or was the explosion nothing mm. or both That's our show. You can find the podcast at Goblin Lore Pod on Twitter, or email any questions, comments, or concerns to GoblinLorePodcast at gmail.com. If you'd like to support your friendly neighborhood gobslugs, you can do so at Patreon.com slash GoblinLorePod. This episode of GoblinLore was hosted by Joe Redman, who you can find on Twitter at Findhorn. That's F-Y-N-D Horn. This episode was written and co-hosted by Alex Newman, who you can find on Twitter at Alexander New M. Engineering, editing, and production for this episode also by Joe Redman. Our music is by Vintergarten, who you can find at Vintergarten.com. Logo by Stephen Raphael on Twitter at Stephen Raffle. Goblin lore is presented by Hipsters of the Coast, which you can find at Hipsters of the Coast.com or on Twitter at HipstersMTG. Thank you all for listening, and remember, Goblins, like snowflakes, are only dangerous in numbers.